Hello, and welcome to This is Modern Rock, the podcast that takes a month-by-month look at the modern rock charts. Today, we're here to talk about November of 1993, and to help me out with that is my favorite guest, Orly. Hello. Hi, Orly. How's it going? Pretty good. Before we get into things, should we kick things off with a mystery achievement? Let's do it. Three points, if you remember this one. This hit number 29 on the modern rock charts in November of 1993. I mean, I 100% know that song. I do not know who did it and what it's called. Well, that's not worth any points. But I know it. Okay, you, know you, you heard mean? it before. I came you in remember with it. The... Uh-huh. <laughs> that is a British jazz rap group called Us Three. Okay, yes. The song is called Cantaloupe oh, Flip Fantasia. Yes, Cantaloupe, of course. I'm into it. Well, no points. That's okay. I imagine. I feel like half credit. I knew that song. Did I you? Know, no, no, no. And then like when you said it, I was like, oh, refresh. Like as soon as you're like, oh yeah, I've heard of Cantaloupe. Okay, so you, have, you have no idea what they were called or who it was, yes, what the song was. But I knew the song and then you said their name and I was okay. like, I remember that now. Half a point. Half of the point. You get one half <laughs> of a point. No, that's ridiculous. <laughs> Before we get into the big number ones of 1993, Orly, do you remember what you were up to in November of 1993? I do. In November, I do remember what I was up to because I had just seen Pearl Jam for the first time. Oh, man. So that was the first band I ever saw. It was an incredible concert. Rollins Band opened, and I was just high on Pearl Jam. Sounds exciting. Yeah. Yeah. It's great. And you were 13. Yeah, I was in the seventh grade. <laughs> just really a child. But completely convinced that Eddie Vedder was the one for you. One day we'd meet. (laughs) (laughs) And then we did, and we were like, this isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) You both mutually agreed. We agreed You had a discussion about it. (laughs) You know what? It was unspoken. (laughs) Okay. When was that? I just like met him briefly at the tour bus. 95. 95. Okay. Mm -hmm. All right. A few years to go. We'll get Mm -hmm. there. (laughs) All right. Well, let's jump into it. We've got one new number one hit for the month. This one's from the Lemonheads. Mm -hmm. They're back. They were formed in Boston, Massachusetts in 1986. Evan Dando is the only constant member of the band. And we last heard the Lemonheads when they had their top 10 modern rock hit, It's a Shame About Ray. Mm -hmm. In October 1993, they released what most of the world thinks of as their second album, but it's actually their sixth album. And it's called Come On, Feel the Lemonheads. At this point, David Ryan is playing drums and Evan Dando is singing and playing guitar. Juliana Hatfield, she was playing with them on their previous album. And at this point, she's gone off to work on her own band. Mm-hmm. We just heard her singing My Sister. We did. Actually, you were on that episode a couple episodes back. It's great. Yeah, great so she, she left bass duties to Nick Dalton, but she does still show up on the album here and there as a backing vocalist. A couple of other things to note about this album. First of all, I know this album very, very well because as a Uh 14-year-old, without MTV, without cable, without 
any connection to pop culture. I signed up for BMG Music Club. Right. Where I was getting, you know, 10 CDs for the price of one, whatever it might have been. Mm-hmm. Everybody did that. I was always not trusting it. <laughs> well, it did seem suspicious, didn't it? But also going to Sam Goody and seeing sixteen ninety nine price tags, yeah, I like get it. I couldn't do that either. Mm-mm. So I thought, you know what? Seems too good to be true, but I'm going to give it a whirl. Mm-hmm. So I was buying these CDs without having ever heard any of the songs, uh-huh. uh, completely based on the album cover and like a one or two sentence description. Yeah, that's fun. This album, Come On, Feel the Lemonheads, was one of my first four CDs that showed up in okay. the mail. Okay. What were the others? They Might Be Giants, Apollo 18. Uh-huh. Smashing Pumpkin, Siamese Dream. Uh-huh. <laughs> Counting Crows, August and Everything After. Uh-huh. Wow. Those were the first ones. Yeah. I did pretty well for myself. Like, Seriously. I, I had no idea what any of these bands sounded like. Based on, would you say, album art? Album art, band name, and like a brief description. Yeah. Yeah. So here's the thing. I listened to this album. I had zero expectations. I knew nothing about the Lemonheads at all. But my favorite story about this album is that I was playing it one day, and I think I left the room Uh and left the CD playing. And when I came back into the room, my dad was so angry. And my dad does not... Like, he's not an angry person. He rarely, (laughs) rarely got angry. He's just pissed off. And he's like, this music. I'm like, I don't know. Like, I've only heard it a couple times at this point. It sounds like Uh semi-acoustic, like singing about love and whatever. It didn't seem like a big deal. Well, apparently when I left the room, the song Big Gay Heart came on Mm. and Evan Dando says something about suck my dick. And uh, that set my dad off. (laughs) (laughs) That seems weird. Like, what does he think you are? Like, you know, six years old? Well, in my household, that was extremely shocking and inappropriate. (laughs) You know, and I remember going like, dad... I didn't know he said that. I don't even like this song. <laughs> you know what? I, I skipped that one. I seriously had the exact same interaction with my mom about Sir Psycho Sexy. Yeah. Chili Peppers. The uh-huh, Peps. Uh-huh. Of course. Coming in with that. Yeah. My mom was like, you're not allowed to listen to that. Yeah. To be fair, like you probably did skip that song. Yeah, it was not good. Yeah. Big Gay Heart's actually a pretty good song. <laughs> I will say, though, I did not get rid of the CD. I have a, one more CD at some point that I, I was forced to throw out, but I managed oh. to, to hang on to the Lemonheads. Forced to throw out. Yes. Here's another thing about this album. Just about every song on the album is co-written by Evan Dando and Tom Morgan of the Australian band Smudge. He's not in the Lemonheads. He's not in the Lemonheads, no. They struck up a friendship at some point, I think, probably when the Lemonheads were touring Australia. Why would this guy just give him songs? They wrote them together. They found that they had a good songwriting partnership. I feel like that's fishy. You think Tom's doing all the the heavy lifting here? I don't know what's going on with that. Yeah, he's like, hey, dude, let's write songs together. You just be nobody and I'll take all the credit. I mean, it's possible that he saw... The potential for songs being able to get out there into the wider world in a way that he sad. wouldn't be able to do with his own song. You know what I mean? Sad. A little sad. But I mean, there's there's a million songwriters out there who are in a similar position. Oh, my God. You know. So we're going to hear the song Into Your Arms. This is the Lemonheads' only number one hit. And it's the first single from Come On Feel. It's one of two charting songs from this album, the other being The Great Big No. Into Your Arms, though, is also notable for being a cover The original version was performed by the Australian duo Love Positions. I did not know that was a cover. Yeah, it's not super well known. No. Uh, Now, Love Positions was another band that 
new Lemonheads bassist Nick Dalton was in. And the song was written by Robin St. Clair, the other member of Love Positions. And I think it's actually going to be really informative to hear both versions. So let's start with the earlier version. This is from Love Positions, 1990 album, Billy Peebup. Okay, so the song's there. Yeah. But obviously pretty indie. Yeah, pretty bare. Yep. I didn't know it was a cover. So their two biggest hits were covers. You're talking about Mrs. Robinson? Yeah. Yeah, they're like the smash mouth of their time. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Okay. (laughs) I guess you could say that. Wow. Let's go ahead and listen to what Evan Dando and the Lemonheads did with the song. Yeah. Here's their version they took to number one on the modern rock charts. That's great. That's teamwork right there. Very enjoyable. Sometimes it takes someone who's not the original <laughs> I know. I, I love that. And it's still really simple, but it's, you know, it's a perfect little pop song. Yeah, it's really nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's a lovely song. I think Lemonheads do a really great job with it. I do too. I really like his voice a lot. Mm-hmm. He sounds great. Well, the Lemonheads version of Into Your Arms actually hit number one for an astounding nine consecutive weeks. Good for them. Did they make any money off that? Nine weeks at number one, and that was worth 500,000 copies sold in the U.S. They went gold. They did not go platinum here. Mm-hmm. Generally, when people talk about the Lemonheads, they talk about It's a Shame About Ray as being their best album. And Come On Field doesn't quite get the love. Right. But there's 15 tracks. If you get the worst four... And maybe rearrange the track listing a little bit. The album plays so well. It's brief. It's fun. There's so many catchy songs on here. I mean, Mm -hmm. it's just, it is packed full of really good songs that are equally as enjoyable as this one. Yeah. And I'm not going to tell you which songs to cut, but But we we don't need the 15-minute Jello fund tacked onto the end. Nobody needs that garbage. (laughs) Some people will say that's the best work. No, thanks. It's a frustrating listen because it could have been so good and so fun. And I think it I think it would be considered right up there with It's a Shame About Ray uh-huh. if it was a more concise album. But you know, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but don't let that don't let that stop you. Now you know everyone's listening online anyway. Yeah. Go go on Spotify, get rid of the garbage tracks, listen to it. Garbage tracks. You're gonna tracks. enjoy it. You're gonna really like this album. Well, clearly I like the Lemonheads. Yeah. I like Evan Dando. I'm not the only one. Because in 1993, another young Lemonheads fan 
actually wrote a song about him. Oh, yeah? I'm talking about Ben Lee. He was actually 14 at the time. He was in a band called Noise Addict. Okay. And he wrote a song called I Wish I Was Him. Wow. About Evan Dando. Amazingly, it got passed around eventually to Mike D of the Beastie Boys. Mm. And Mike D decided to He's sign. like, hey, you kind of look like me. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, he got a, a record deal off of it as uh-huh. a 14-year-old. That's right. And I really think we need to listen to the song. So here's a short clip of Ben Lee and Noise Addicts. I wish I was him. He's got six different flannel shirts, airwalks, not thongs. He even understands the words to pavement songs. He's got his new guitar toys. He loves Smudge and the Beastie Boys. I wish I was him. He gets the girls at his feet. With all his cool friends, he gets his records for free. I wish I was him. He has no enemies. I wish I was him. That was adorable. That's really, really <laughs> cute. His voice comes in. I'm like, that's a child. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he certainly was. Now, I will say Ben Lee did later go on to some level of success outside of Noise Addicts. Mm-hmm. Uh, at some point, he joined a band called The Bens mm-hmm. with two other Bens who would at some point chart on the modern rock charts. That is Ben Folds Whoa. of Ben Folds 5 and later Ben Folds uh-huh, solo. And, I think I remember And this. Ben Queller. We the beans. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> and I also saw that at some point in his career, Ben Lee has been able to play this song live with Evan Dando. I love it. Which is really fun. That is so cute. Yeah. I like how he says he has no enemies because I feel like when I was 14, I was like, Evan Dando, you are my enemy. I had no idea why. I would just look at him and go like, nope. Ben, <laughs> you were the only the only woman who was not going for Evan Dude, Dando. I was just like, it's not working on me. <laughs> yeah, well, your heart was taken. That's right. Ben he does have know. beautiful hair. Yeah. The hair <laughs> swinging around in that video. <laughs> yeah. That's funny, though, because like Evan Dando's face is very prominent on the cover of this album. You know, it's like the other band members are kind of shoved off to the it's side like, and cut in half. Your looks have become a problem. <laughs> uh, They're all blurry. And I guess I, you know, I guess I thought he was a good looking guy, but I never looked at that and went like, man, I wish I looked like this dude. You don't think about the way you look. That's true. At all. <laughs> so. You're right. Come to think of it, I've never once in my life thought, I wish I looked like that dude. So No, that's not a thing, right? I mean, when you look like this, why right? do you need to look like someone else? <laughs> right? I've got it all taken care of here. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're going to move on down the list. Obviously, there's no <laughs> other number ones because Lemonheads are hogging the spotlight. But we got a number three. From another band we've heard from before, this is Cracker. Mm-hmm. David Lowry, of course, was also the lead singer of beloved Santa Cruz band Camper Van Beethoven. Following the breakup of Camper Van Beethoven in 1990, David Lowry and his childhood friend Johnny Hickman moved from California to Richmond, Virginia. And they hold themselves up in some kind of janky old cabin, from what I understand. Mm. And they formed the alternative country roots rock band Cracker. <laughs> country roots. Now, we've heard from them a couple seasons ago when Cracker hit number one with their song Teen Angst. They're like, as sung by 30 year olds. <laughs> and even though that was their only modern rock number one, their biggest success actually came in 1993 with the release of their sophomore album, Kerosene Hat. The album was named after a wool hunting cap that 
David Lowry would put on before braving the cold and walking from their janky old cabin to a nearby gas station to buy kerosene for the kerosene heaters in their old house. Put on your kerosene hat. <laughs> That's right. And apparently, you know, it smelled like kerosene. And, uh, yeah. He's just in those fumes. That's why the album sounds the way it does. No, I don't know. them. <laughs> After a number one hit with two different bands, like, I'm not saying they were rich. I know they didn't sell a ton of albums, but certainly they could have afforded a slightly cozier place with maybe like an actual oh, heater or something. Yeah, like, I don't know their background where this. Did they drug need problems? to go to Richmond, Virginia? Oh, yeah, were they running away from something? I don't know. Maybe they just thought it was more country. Like, they really wanted to get the country I don't, feel. I don't think so. I don't think kerosene hat. Okay. I actually think they're doing this to themselves intentionally because when it came time to record kerosene hat i'm sure they could have gone to a studio but instead they decided to record in an old barn and apparently they salvaged some old mattresses from a local junkyard to insulate their recording session from the cold okay so they're cultivating a whole thing yeah yeah Yeah, yeah, that's like they're torturing themselves for the music (laughs) this is going to be a really authentic experience yeah (laughs) they're suffering so that we don't have to I need a bond with some old mattresses. <laughs> anyway, Low became a hit, number three on the modern rock charts, but also number 40 in the UK, and it even went to number 64 on the Hot 100. I guess I heard it on the radio, but I feel like I saw it on MTV even more. I'm sure you did, and those listeners who also saw it and maybe need a memory refresher, the music video features David Lowry getting pummeled in a boxing match by comedian Sandra Bernhard. Yeah. You remember that one? Of course. Of course. What, should we listen to it? Yes. Okay. Let's go ahead and listen to the number three modern rock hit, Low. I like it more now than I did then. Really? Mm-hmm. Tell me more. <laughs> it was because you saw the video and you didn't think he was cute. Yeah, and so the y- video. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I know you. <laughs> I'm like, what was it? Oh, wait. Oh, yeah. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So I think this is a really effective song. I think so, too. It's very, it builds really nicely. Yeah. It's got some turns. And I remember hearing it on the radio when I finally started listening to alternative radio sometime in 94. Yeah. And I remember liking it when it came on yeah and i like it now i think it's a good song i think also it's like i don't i listened to songs with headphones on but only by bands that i like really loved or songs that i loved sure so i wasn't throwing on the headphones for cracker so the low headphone experience is boosting the song for you yeah like you know i I like parts Mm -hmm. so they have like a lot of really nice parts overlaid well and i was trying to listen to the lyrics more and i was like these lyrics are not cringy, which is saying a lot because most lyrics are at least somewhat cringy. Now, I'm glad you brought up the lyrics because when this song was released to radio stations, there was some concern that the stations were not going to play it because 
of perceived drug references in the lyrics. Oh, definitely. So the label actually made David Lowry sign a letter claiming that the lyrics were in fact like being stone rather than like being stoned. And sometimes it does sound like he's saying stone, Uh but sometimes he's clearly not. Uh Yeah. But I think that that's so hilarious because no one would actually buy that as like a truthful explanation. I bought it. I was like buying it as you said it. If you're at the radio station, you're like, oh, yeah, sure. It's like being stone. stone. Yeah, like a rock. (laughs) It's exactly what I thought. Um, (laughs) No, it's just plausible deniability. And that's good enough for them. They're like, oh, no, yeah. And if anyone complains, we can show them this letter from David. (laughs) Right. He's the artist. He says it said stone. Yeah. No, one other side note. A decade or so ago, David Lowry wrote a blog post about how after a million streams of this song on Pandora, he got himself a check for $17. <gasps> no way. <laughs> yeah. So he was complaining about the way that Pandora was monetizing. That and, sucks. And the craziest thing was, I read through a bunch of comments and the overwhelming majority of them were like, you should feel lucky that anyone listens to your music and that you got any money and go F yourself. I that could is not believe it. Crazy. Yeah. Ew, the comments. Never read them. I look at them too, because then you're like, how many people out here think like me? And then you enter a wormhole of psychos and creeps. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. All right. Well, Cracker's gonna chart a few more times with songs from Kerosene Hat. Their track Get Off This. Mm, is going to chart. I remember that one from back in the day, Mm -hmm. as well as a hidden track from this album. Hmm. In fact, track number 69, Oh You Rascals, the song Euro Trash Girl. That's a hidden track? Hidden track. All right. Well, Cracker, it's been a while since they've released a new album, but they're still a touring band. In fact, I saw them a couple years ago. Oh, right. Yeah, I saw Camper Van Beethoven and Cracker back to back. It was really sweet. This guy, he's got a lot of energy. Yeah. Well, let's move on. We're going to go a little further down the list. We've got a number nine song from the Canels. And there's a few reasons to talk about them, but my primary reason for talking about them is because seasons back, when mm-hmm. they had one of their songs mm-hmm. on the show. I refer to them as the Connells uh-huh. because why wouldn't I? Uh-huh. <laughs> and I think I got more letters than any other episode no from, from listeners essentially saying like, don't want to be rude, but it's the canals. Uh-huh. Everyone was very nice about it. Uh-huh. No one was. Wow. No one was a dick. That's also incredible. I know it is. I have got some not very polite mail on occasion, uh-huh. but everyone was very polite about this. Oh, it's actually the canals. So the canals are back mm-hmm. with their final of four charting modern rock hits. The canals were formed in Raleigh, North Carolina, in 1984. This band is two brothers, Mike and David. Connell. <laughs> Canal. Is it? I so don't that's know. where I get confused because, like, no one says, oh, that's Jerry O. Connell. So, like, <laughs> I'm not sure if their last name is Connell, but then they wanted to call themselves the Connells because it sounds more like an old timey I have like, no idea. Group. Mike and David, you can write in. Let me know how to actually pronounce <laughs> your name. But anyway, Mike and David. Canel Mike and David. Sure, Connell. Why not? And then Doug McMillan on vocals. George Huntley and Peel Wimberly. They were added shortly thereafter, and that became the classic lineup. And this band is often described as a combination of jangly, REM-influenced college rock and Celtic rock. Okay, hold on. That'd be like if you named your band. Mm -hmm. (laughs) 
Westerku. <laughs> Yeah. Westerku. Like, I'm not the singer. Yeah. But uh, me and my brother, we're the Westerkus. <laughs> the Westerkus. <laughs> All right. Well, in 1993, the band released their fifth album, Ring. The single Slack Jawed reached number nine on the modern rock charts, becoming the band's fourth and final modern rock chart hit. Here it is. I don't have a lot to say about the song. It's pleasant enough. And I think if I listen to it some more, I think it would grow on me a little bit. Yeah, actually, I felt similarly because I was trying to find some things I like about it, mm-hmm. right? Like, what do I like about this? What's interesting? And I'm like, well, this is fine. But I couldn't think anything specific. Yeah. That it was like, oh, this is something that makes it different, special. Yeah. Like if we could have got past the big grunge explosion and if it came out like closer to 97 or something, mm. when, I, I don't know, like Eve Six. Deep Blue Something yeah. and the Verve Pipe were having big radio hits, yes. like they might've been able to have a more successful totally. run there. But yeah, this song's fine. Also, I do not like the term slack jawed. Mm. And so when you said that was the name of the song, I immediately like... Did you think of Cletus the slack jawed yokel? No, but that's even worse. Like, what you just said is just <laughs> disgusting to me. Okay. <laughs> what did you think of then? It's just, I don't like the word. I don't okay. like anything about it. I don't like the way it sounds. I don't like what it... Oh. Yeah, I don't like what it <laughs> connotes. <laughs> and I was hoping it was one of those titles, like Reptilia, where mm. you never say it. And he's like, I'm going to say it a bunch. Yeah, you can call it this, just please. Don't. Please, Canals say it and they did and they did a lot so here's the thing i don't have much to say about this song but i do have a lot more to say about the canals okay because there was another song on the album called 7475 which the label did not want to release as a single and that would have been the end of the song the song would have more or less disappeared except for two chance occurrences number one mark pellington was a friend of the band Okay. And we might remember him because he, he directed music videos for U2, In Excess, and Pearl Jam. Mm-hmm. And he heard the album Ring, the Canals album, and he loved the song 7475 and he requested to make a video for it. The record label had no intention of promoting the song, mm. but when they heard that Pellington was interested, they gave it the green light. Okay. Now, the video, if you haven't seen it, I think is simple and brilliant. Uh-huh. Mark Pellington reimagines the song's title as being about a graduating high school class, like the class of 1974-75. And it intercuts actual black and white high school yearbook photos of actual students from David Connell's actual high school. Of that year? From that year. Uh With like, where are they now footage of those same students 20 years later. So they like got these people and they brought them in. But I think the video captures the feeling of the song perfectly. Oh, it's beautiful. Uh, It makes me tear up. For sure. Nice work, Mark. Um, (laughs) The second thing is, a year after the release of the album Ring, a German subsidiary of EMI, the band's record label, heard the song, and they wanted to release the album in Germany where it hadn't been released up to that point. 
So when they finally released Ring in Germany in 1995, 7475 became a hit in Germany. And mm. then because of its success there, it spread across Europe. It ended up going top 10 in 11 European countries. Wow. It hit number one in Norway and Sweden. And it even went to number 14 in the UK while having (laughs) absolutely no chart presence in the US ever. Hmm. Where did I hear it? I don't know. And unfortunately, by the time they had all that success across Europe, the band had moved on to their next album, which was less memorable and not one of their better efforts. Mm -hmm. And uh, they were not really able to further capitalize on that success. But I'm going to play 7475 because if you haven't heard it, I think you're going to like it. It's crazy to me that Slackjawed was the one that radio stations in the U.S. wanted to play, and then no one would play this one. So good. Now, two more things. In 2005, they did an updated version of the video, a 40th class reunion, and I hate it. Oh, no. It is so sad and not in a good way. Everyone's dead. The first one is so joyful, and in this one, everyone looks so old and tired, and in at least one case, actually dead. Don't watch it unless you want to feel depressed. Oh, no. In 1995, the song 7475 appeared on the soundtrack to the film Heavy. Do you remember Heavy? Maybe. Okay. Well, I never heard of it, but there's a modern rock connection. Not only does it star Deborah Harry of Blondie and Evan Dando of the Lemonheads has a brief role. Oh, yes. uh, But Liv Tyler of My Dad is in Aerosmith fame. I was just going to say. She's in it as well. And the musical score for the movie was by Thurston Moore of Sonic Youth. So... Does the movie suck? I saw it. And you it, did see it. I did, You've yes. You've seen Heavy. Yes, I've seen Heavy. Wow. I wanted to watch anything that looked mildly like that. Okay. You know what I mean? Do you remember? How was it? No. Not good? No. Okay. Mm-mm. That's why you knew 7475, because it was on Heavy. Oh, maybe that too. I'm sure they put it over like a dramatic scene. Sure. They're not just going to throw it away. On no, a... no, no. They're not going to throw that song away. Yeah. All right. One more thing. The canals appear on a very weird 2002 compilation called When Pigs Fly, featuring unlikely cover songs. So if, for example, you ever wanted to hear Nat King Cole's Unforgettable as performed by Annie DeFranco and Jackie Chan, (laughs) or Billy Idol's White Wedding as performed by Herman's Hermits, or my favorite, perhaps, ACDC's Dirty Deeds Done Dirt Cheap, performed by Leslie Gore. What? That sounds good. If if that sounds good to you, you should track down this album, (laughs) When Pigs Fly, and you'll be able to hear the Canals covering Insane in the Membrane by Cypress Hill. Are you serious? Because this sounds all good. This all sounds good. I'm serious. This exists. I want this. Track it down. (laughs) (laughs) Well, the Canals are still a band. They spent 2023 touring on a 30th anniversary of the album Ring tour, which also got a reissue for the occasion. And their most recent album was in 2021. So still doing their thing. Go check them out. Dirty deeds. (laughs) (laughs) 
We got one more band. This is the Afghan Wigs. Wow. This is, this Are is you the, sad about that? <laughs> no, this is the first band from this episode that we haven't talked about previously. Like since forever? No, we've never talked about them before. This is the first okay. time we've talked about them on the show. And the other three bands we had. Got it. So they were formed in Cincinnati, Ohio in 1986. The first iteration of the band was Greg Dooley on vocals. Rick McCollum, John Curley, and Steve Earle filled out the rest of the band. Not Steve Earle of Guitar Town. This is a different Steve Earle. The Afghan Wigs were named as a play on Greg Dooley's first band, or his previous band, which were called the Black Republicans. Whoa. Wigs, of course, being a political party that doesn't exist anymore, as far as I know. Yeah. The Afghan Wigs signed to Seattle's Sub Pop in 1989. By the time they were recording their third album, Congregation, they had really started leaning into their soul and R&B influences, although they're clearly still, you know, a heavy rock band. Right. For the follow-up album, the Afghan Wigs moved to a major label. The resulting album was 1993's Gentleman, and it's considered by many critics to be the band's greatest work. And it shows up frequently on best grunge albums of all time lists, mm. uh, as well as in the book 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. Gentlemen, the album is a concept album. It focuses on the end stages of a toxic relationship. And the songs are sung from the perspective of a dude who is, frankly, a serious asshole. Mm -hmm. And he knows he's an asshole, and maybe he wishes he wasn't. But he is nonetheless. And it's pretty brutal. Yeah. I had trouble listening to Afghan Wigs for a long time because it was hard for me to separate the character in the songs from Greg Dooley as a person. It is hard. And so, you know, I'd look at this guy, I'd be like, what a creep. (laughs) You know, know? it's different though, because like when you look at Stephen King, you go, what a creep. Sure. However, you don't go like, oh, he's actually wanting to like murder and torture people. Right. But when you sing a song as your character. There's a a tendency for people to assume that songs are autobiographical, even when they're not. Yeah. Yeah. But Greg Dooley has said that these songs are not autobiographical. Maybe like the seed of the idea, like started right. with something personal, but then he like really right. took it out there. It's a concept album. It's a song cycle. And we're going to be listening to the only charting single from the album, which is called Debonair. Debonair. This one hit number 18 on the modern rock charts. Here it is. Hear me now and don't I think this song is interesting. It's like grunge adjacent. Yeah. But it's not really grunge. They're doing something different. I like the part where it was a little bit more sparse. Mm-hmm. And he was doing his thing over that. I think if you dive into the lyrics. I'm list- I was listening to the lyrics. If you want to wallow in those. Ooh, I hate that word too. <laughs> you hit me with two terrible words tonight. Yeah, I mean, I think the song's pretty strong, but not necessarily a really catchy radio single. True. And actually, I'm really surprised because... There was another song released as a single, Gentleman, which to my ear is more radio friendly, than this more one? immediate, it's shorter. It got some MTV play, but uh-huh. did not chart on the modern rock mm-hmm. charts. 
it's crazy to me that if this one did, Gentleman yeah. didn't. It's a really strong song. Now, my favorite song on the album might actually be the song My Curse. That is the one song that Greg Dooley gave to someone else to sing oh. so that we could have the female rebuttal oh, to, to all of his anger wow. and, and rage. Interesting. So he brought in his friend Marcy Mays, the singer from the band Scrawl. Okay. And she sang that one and she kills it. It's a really good one. That's cool. Yeah. And I might just add, you know, Scrawl, probably their best album came out in 1993 as well. It's called Velvet Hammer. So if anyone's looking for some female fronted, yeah. g- spacey grunge. That sounds maybe, cool. Yeah, that sounds something along those lines. Check it out. One more fun fact. The next year in 1994, an indie movie called Backbeat was released. Mm. It's like a Beatles one. It is. The movie attempted to chronicle the early days of the Beatles in Hamburg, Germany. Hamburg. And for the soundtrack, rather than just compile a bunch of old Beatles songs, maybe because they couldn't afford them, they put together a new group of Beatles from the American musical underground. Oh, my. So they put together this fake modern Beatles, and the band consisted of Greg Dooley as essentially John Lennon, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Dave Perner of Soul Asylum as essentially Paul McCartney, Yes. And you might also know some of these other people that filled out the rest of the band on the songs. Dave Grohl of Nirvana, Thurston Moore from Sonic Youth, Henry Rollins, Mike Mills of R.E.M., and Don Fleming from Gumball. I'm sure I saw this movie too. I should should actually point out, I think they're not actually Beatles songs. I think they're playing the early covers that the Beatles played before they were playing their original material. That's great. But still, if that sounds fun, check it out. Once again, the movie's called Backbeat. Mm-hmm. That's our songs. Yeah. Almost done with 93. Oh my gosh, we're getting so close. You're coming up on like, what is it? 30 year? I've been doing this podcast for 30 years. 30 years. years. <laughs> <laughs> it feels like it sometimes. No, no, no. Because like it's going to be um, January of 1994. Yes. Coming up. And that's like, catching up yes, with I'm, I'm just, 30 years. I'm slightly behind yeah, 30, 30 years. year yeah, anniversary. That's I know right. you should catch up and then everything would be a 30 year anniversary. Yeah, that'd, that'd be great. But then I wouldn't be able to take a six month hiatus. Oh, <laughs> damn. You're right. We'll see. Well, since we're coming up on the end of the season, if any listeners out there want to write in, you can reach me at thisismodernrock at gmail.com. Anyone who hasn't done so, please Review, like, subscribe. That'd be amazing. And write in only compliments. Oh, yeah. Don't review if you're going to be a mean review. (laughs) Only compliments. Why would you do that? Some guy wrote a mean review a while ago. I couldn't believe it. I think the mean review is because you insulted his hometown on a previous episode. Oh, God. This guy was from Pittsburgh or something. He was he was upset. And I said something about Two stars. Philly. Oh, wow. You but know No, it was what? Philly. It was Philly, right? He was from Philly. I said something about Philly? I think so. <laughs> Philly, we love you. City of brotherly love. I do not remember saying anything about Philly. Okay, I don't know where it was. Yeah. I probably did. Some city that's not <laughs> worth remembering. That's what it was. <laughs> I don't know. I don't remember saying anything bad about anyone ever. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Or anything that ever was. Yeah, no. Keeping it positive. That's what we like to do. Always. Have a good one, everybody. Catch you in December. Bye. Bye.